You're listening to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. You've read the stories of the drivers and others involved in the sport that we all love. Now hear their stories firsthand via our all-new podcast to find out how their passion for motorsports has made life worth living. So, Ellen, I feel like I haven't seen you in in months. Well, you haven't. We haven't seen each other since everything went down. When was the last time we saw each other? It was cold outside, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, it was. You know, and, and now here we are in like the the, the middle of summer, and it's like uh, I mean, I, granted, I like the technology, the fact that we have access to be able to do the behind the wheel, right, via the zooms and the skypes and whatnot. But uh, this this is weird because I'm used to seeing you I know. whenever whenever we do the interviews, and you know, we kind of feed off of each other. Plus, you know, I can kind of point. <laughs> <laughs> he can point at me when it's my turn. Yeah, it's like, used to text at me and point at me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here, here, take this one. Holy crap, oh, this is you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Ellen, this is all you. And now, <laughs> now I can't do that. Uh, so I got a virtual fly swatter. Oh, no. Uh, and, and we're going to try this fly swatter out. So oh, when, God. I, when I swing it, it's supposed to slap your screen and make it shake. <laughs> uh, so my computer screen or my phone screen is going to shake? Uh, one of them. It's going to freak me out. Okay. Like, right. Ah, something's so wrong. All right, so let's try this. Here we go. Modern technology at its best. The, the Chris Young Virtual Fly Swatter 2.1. Go in right now. Did anything happen? No. All right. I actually don't have a virtual fly swatter. I was just slapping a bag of David sunflower seeds right here in front of the microphone. <laughs> oh, so that's what your virtual fly swatter is? I'm so literally waiting for my computer to like earthquake. When like, you when you hear me spit a sunflower seed at the microphone, that's your it's cue. my turn. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what you been that's up to during this, uh, during this beautiful hiatus? Oh, a lot of uh, working with animals more than <laughs> right. Hey, I finished my book. I'm excited about that. Yes, Yay. yes, yes, yes. All right, so before we hop into, you know, who's going to be joining us for the podcast, tell me a little bit about the book. So this is not a racing book, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> it does have racing involvement in it. Um, it's called Call to Comeback. So it's stories of hope from people who have undergone pretty big, significant life-altering complications in their life or you know almost my life ending complications in their life not necessarily right. for every one of the stories but um so it's life altering stories for people who had a comeback so their life's kind of hit a huge skid and it was like okay now where do i go and they had a comeback and that comeback helped other people so uh, or their lives changed in a different direction and their change helped other people. So um, there are some references to racing in this. There are uh, a few interviews that are racing related, including sure. our own Shane Meal, who was right. chapter one, <laughs> who started this podcast um, or kind of gave birth to this podcast. Yeah. So thank you, Shane. Um, so it's been out for since May and uh, so far it's going pretty well. Um, hoping that more people get a, get a hold of the book and crystal has to get his copy I should, yeah, yeah I should, so i'm going to drop that off to you this week <laughs> how do i oh, all right so how do i get a copy can i find i'm going to bring you online? a copy this week okay yeah, well you could get anyone who wants a copy which chris is going to get his this week but uh, <laughs> if he wants a copy he needs to go on amazon.com and type in call it a comeback by ellen richardson because there's another one called call it a, don't call it a comeback mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that one comes up right. <laughs> so um so make sure you type in call it a comeback by ellen richardson 
or you can nice. check out my, my author page at ellenrichardson.com. Yeah, go there, check out the book, because over the years, Ellen has had a really just a phenomenal just interview train where she's had a chance to just speak with all these great people who, yeah, I mean, you know, not, not only face the diversity, but are already out there inspiring and leading others based off of their life. So I'm, I'm really excited to read it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good summer read. And it's a quick summer read. It's not a long book. So right. it's, I'm planning on making this a series. So yes, it's not very long, but I planned on it being a quick read so nobody would forget about it. <laughs> the only thing is my wife didn't like it when I read books because I move my mouth when I read because I'm still, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still kind of going through the phonetics and learning all the words. And, you know, she, she always kind of laughs at me because I sit there and just mouth it the whole time. Um, but uh, you know what? We're, we're here in the middle of summer. And, you, you know, this is usually when, you know, racing's in full swing. Yeah, it's been, this has been one of the more strange summers. Like, the only thing I feel like I'm allowed to do is go to work, go to the grocery store, go to Walmart. And I don't feel like I'm really allowed to do much else. And we right. don't even have a pool this summer because ours got chewed yeah. on this winter and it had a hole in it. So we had to get a new one. Well, now we can't find one. <laughs> right. Oh, I went and bought like I've I've gone through five or six of those inflatable pools. That's what that, we had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was one the, of those. The kids just keep tearing it to pieces, and uh, you know yeah. we don't get a chance to enjoy it at all. Uh, plus, I mean, when it's ten bucks, I mean, how you know? Well, the one we had was over a hundred, but this is one that oh. is like a set. Well, it's a setup pool. Yeah. You know, so it's, but yeah, it still has like the kind of plastic inside, and yeah. Um, a certain puppy or two chewed on it this winter and we said oh we'll get another one in the spring and yeah good luck said, finding that yeah and then covid hit and now we can't find the pool that would normally pay a little over a hundred dollars for is now seven hundred dollars we're like please well you know the, the strange thing about covid hitting is the way it's affected the world of sports no kidding and you know we we don't have baseball we don't have soccer well i mean mm -hmm. we have a little bit of soccer uh nascar is just you know, now going to experiment with fans in the stands for mm -hmm. the, um, the, the all-star race coming up. Right. But uh, we got the world of outlaws has decided they're just, they say, you know what, we're going to figure this thing out on our own. Uh, 40 years running. They've been the premier dirt track racing league, the world of outlaws. And this year, while a lot of places are waiting for the comeback and waiting for a long pause, with a limited fan base in the stands or whatever, the world of outlaws has decided we have a way to check and clear people so that we can put them in the stands and make sure that they are healthy and they can come enjoy the sports that they love watching. Exactly. They're, they're, they're saying we're not going to just do this virtually. They did start out the same way that NASCAR sure. and, and although NHRA just got back this week and didn't do anything virtually, but mm -hmm. they went that same virtual route at the beginning and they said, okay, interesting. Not us. We right. know that we want to have our fan base in the stands. Now, did they just say we're going to just risk it? No. Like a lot of some of these other series or other mm -hmm. small tracks here around us who have been shut down. Yeah because they went, went, went for it anyway, um, they went a whole nother route. They said, okay, we're going to have fans in the stands, but we're not going to do it without making sure that everyone is safe. Yeah, because they can get in big trouble. I mean, we had a track very near and dear to our hearts that oh, yeah. got in big trouble because mm -hmm. they were like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's outside. We got bench seats. They'll just, you know, hang out. Well, then the, the governor 
sent the sheriff out there and mm-hmm. shut him down. Well, the sheriff didn't want to shut him down at first, but yeah. when you end up on TMZ and make the governor look bad, he starts stepping up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's it, we're and we're not going to name any names. We're not going to name any tracks or any. I'll states. put it this way: this track needed that publicity. <laughs> yeah, it did, and and the governor needed any to be called out. Good. <laughs> so, um, but I'm I'm a big fan of the world of outlaws. So the yes. fact that we have their CEO Brian Carter. Uh, coming to talk to us about what he and his staff of amazing folks been able to do to get fans back in the stands. Uh, this is going to be one of those ones that hopefully some other organizations will hear. They'll pick up the banner and run with it because Brian's got some tricks that he's been using, and I'm excited to talk to him. So he'll be coming up here uh, with us in just a few minutes. What, what what do you think some of the you know tricks and gadgets you think he's using? Because chances are he's gone over our head with technology. Oh, he has. I mean, anybody that read my recent article on racingjunk.com mm-hmm. about what they're doing now, I mean, I was astounded when I found out. I was like, why is this the only series? Why is this? Is he using the robots? Only... No, he's not using robots. It's, I mean, sure I guess you robots. could kind of go somewhere towards that route, but it's not quite to the robot route. You seen but that the... Will Smith movie about the robots that take oh, over? Oh, God, so stupid. <laughs> and that's what everybody's afraid is going to happen. <laughs> is Brian starting that Will Smith robot? revolution no he's gonna take us over <laughs> no no it's just, the technology they're using is is something that i question myself on why we have are why we as the u.s have waited this long and are not right. using this everywhere stores yeah, so so i can go to everywhere. the world of outlaws but i can't go to walmart <laughs> oh you go to walmart you Damn. just gotta wear your mask and you know watch the stickers on the floor make sure you're going in the right direction i can't go to my public going. pool so yeah, I'm I'm thinking he's using robots and some type of like nanotech like what we saw in the <laughs> Avengers. Um Avengers. You, you know, they probably inject you with like some nanites. Uh, <laughs> which I think my grandma used to put in her tea to help with her arthritis. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna find out because uh when behind the wheel on racingjunk.com returns, our buddy Brian Carter, CEO of World of Outlaws, will be joining us. So hang on. Attention racers. Race fans and gearheads, if you're looking to buy, sell, or trade the stuff that stokes your engine, then check out RacingJunk.com. RacingJunk.com is the world's number one online racing and performance classifieds, where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. Check us out at RacingJunk.com. Racing and performance classifieds built to go fast. Welcome back to Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com again. Uh, so, take you know, two. Take two. I am excited <laughs> because, you know, for 40 years, Word of Outlaws has just been setting the standard for dirt track racing. And I'm excited and honored to have CEO Brian Carter joining us. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Thank you for joining us today. Hey, guys. It's a crazy uh, Thursday night. I'm getting ready to go traveling with uh, – Going to see the World of Outlaws late models and sprint cars this weekend, and uh, that's right. coming off a you know crazy month of July, been hammered down the entire time. Yeah, tell yeah. me, absolutely. And you guys just live hammered down, which kind of leads me to the first question. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get introduced into dirt racing? What brought the hammer? Well, you know, my mom would tell you we started. I started going to the racetrack before I was born. I think we started going. They went as a couple to Manassas Speedway in, in Virginia. And so they started me out as a race fan before I was born. And when we moved to Texas uh, near Waco there in 1974, 
it was what my dad and I, and my brother did every Friday night. We'd go to Heart of Texas Speedway, Bill and oh, Gene yeah. and Adam Tech, and mm-hmm. we just enjoyed some modified, super modified, and some sprint car racing back in the seventies. And that got me kind of hooked on it, but I was really only a spectator at that time. Mm-hmm. It was much later in my career, uh, after, uh, a stint at Texas A&M and a stint at Deloitte in Dallas that I actually started playing a little bit with some race cars and, and running old street style, say stock car and a sprint car or two down in, in Texas. And then I got a friend of mine phoned me up. He's an investment banker, still my partner today. Uh, asked me if I could help him on a project. He asked me, his first question was how far is Oklahoma city from, from Dallas? And I said, well, it's about three hours. What you got going on? And he goes, well, working on a project and need some help with, We've happened, we figured out a way to buy the World of Outlaws and nice. Dirt Motorsports and uh, working on UMP. And we bought all the race, several racetracks in New York. We're looking at buying Lernerville and Volusia. Uh, what do you think? And go, I said, well, I'm in. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm in. That was in uh, August of 2004. I remember that phone call very, and then from that day, been digging and digging, trying to figure out how to make this good for everybody. So the first couple of years were pretty sketchy trying to get everything completed that we'd promised everybody. And, right. and then we, uh, about 2007, we decided we we're going to move to Charlotte and, uh, really start kicking some butt, uh, and, and making things right for everybody. So it was, uh, been an incredible journey now since 2004 to gosh, 2020. Now, was there any culture shock in the way from Virginia to Texas to Carolina? Well, you know, the, I didn't experience much being a four-year-old from, from Virginia to Texas, <laughs> but from, from Texas to North Carolina, you know, living in the Dallas area, driving up and down the tollway. I'm sure they got some listeners that are familiar with that. Oh, moving yeah. To Concord, North Carolina, you know, three miles from the office. I had to learn how to slow down a little bit uh, <laughs> relative to Dallas, but put it, put the hammer down at work. So in 2007, we decided we were going to move everybody. Nobody was based here. Everybody was in Oklahoma or Dallas or Atlanta mm-hmm. or Florida, and we moved the whole company to uh, Concord, North Carolina, and have been Beautiful. here since 2007. So it's been a hell of a journey and, and it's uh, a lot of culture shock every day, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. And, and we're going to talk about the current culture shock, but, but tell me from going from being just an idle fan, you know, somebody was like, man, I got to go to the track every night to all of a sudden you find yourself in a car and, and you're doing this, you're going hammer down. What was that mindset change like at your first race? Well, you know, it, it was a brand new perspective for me. When you're looking at it from the fans' perspective, then you go into the pit area and you try to make a, a car competitive, which I only barely did, you know, uh, get the car competitive and you worry about that and you're looking at the grandstands and if the promoter is having a good night or a bad night and then affected by weather, it's, you know, it's, it's dip, it was a challenge. You get, to, you get to real perspective. You want to broaden that and get as broad a perspective as you can now seeing it from not only the sanctioning body, the rules maker, a, you know, the full on promoter, the broadcaster, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a responsibility I take seriously and I'm, I'm proud of being able to call myself one of the largest fans, blessed right. to see a lot of racing every year. And, uh, but I get to go play every now and then and take the, take the hats off of being all those pieces and sometimes get to play race car driver too. So no, I'm, I'm blessed in what I get to do, but I take the responsibility very serious relative to the future of the sport and what's successful, you know, what we need to be for everyone around us to be successful. And I think that's shown in just how far world of outlaws has come. But, you know, when you do get a chance to take that hat off and you do get a chance to get behind the wheel and race, you know, maybe one of the active drivers, are you still able to take them? 
you know, it, <laughs> I, my goal is not to wreck anybody. Right. So that's, you, know, right. Number one, you know, objective that's still, you know, I, I that's my, you know, I, I want to be competitive and have a good time. You know, they understand I'm out there doing it for fun. And the last thing I want to do is, is uh, get anybody's way. So yeah. I have a good time with it. I think the drivers like, uh, you know, I race a, a pro stock up in the Northeast some too. And I think the guys just like to have me around and bounce ideas off of me. And, you know, it's hard for me not to continue to work while I'm there playing. So yeah, it's, it's nice. Just again, it broadens my perspective. You know, I've seen it from the promoter side, from the track owner side, mm-hmm. from the rule maker side from, and from in the car. And, right. you know, it's a, you know, everybody, the, the beauty of it is, is this entire, entire sport is fueled by so much passion. Even the guys that are serving your sodas at the racetrack, Everybody loves to be there. So mm-hmm. the, the engine builders, the car manufacturers, the race car drivers, the mamas, the grandma, they all are fueled by so much passion and they carry it to the racetrack and it's just fun to be a part of it. I have an uncle who's, who is still, you know, that, well, I got family that's so heavily involved in racing and he used to call the dirt track uh, smile central because it just seemed like everybody there was smiling. It's such a family atmosphere. Um, but being the CEO and having to make sometimes those tough decisions, do you ever find it super hard to to not weigh in favor of the drivers? Just because, you know, you know, you've been there, you got the passion the whole night. Yeah, you know, you feel for, you You want to make a balanced decision. You know, you want to you help everybody that you can. And sometimes that makes it really difficult. But I've been, you know, I've told everybody even till, you know, whether it was the green 11 with Kinzer or the 15 with Shots or the 49 with Sweet or, Bloomquist or pick, you know, or Matt Shepard or Larry White, you just, my can't care what color the car is once it comes in the pit area. And, but I do have a, a soft spot in my heart for the, the racers and their families, uh, the guys that are putting it on the line every night at the racetrack. And you want to make sure that you're making a balanced decision. You know, you don't say harsh words at on race day and mm-hmm. you try to figure out how to make it work for everybody. And, you know, you got to come up with an answer and every now and then you make a mistake, but you made a mistake based on judgment and you, and you live with it. But you know, you want to be as consistent as you can be with those guys. And if they understand that there's no, no intent and there's, you're trying to be as consistent as you can, you build up some trust over the last 17 years, it works out pretty well in everybody's favor. I want to talk about getting into, you know, what we're dealing with now, but, but take me back to when you first got that phone call from your friend who was an investment banker and he said, Hey, come up here to Oklahoma. Let's, let's take a look at this. When you first walked into the world of outlaws and saw what was available, what was the first thing that popped in your mind? Um, I was grinning ear to ear, you know, the, the thought of, you know, there's very few people that can say that they sat down in a room with the likes of Ted Johnson and Glenn Donnelly in the same room. And, nice. and you start talking about, you know, and you, at the same time you have the Kenny Schraders of the world and, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Howard commanders and you, and you got Bob Lawton and you start talking about Lenny Edwards and Milo Ferrari and Ralph Captain. It's you go back to that, that time and you and you go as a as a fan and you go why am i at this table you know if you go back and you start thinking about that and now as i reflect on it it was such an opportunity to to bring all of those pieces together and uh i was grinning ear to ear trying to figure out okay how can brian contribute how can we make this better what how can what can i do to preserve the racing to make certain that we're doing this in 20 30 40 years from now and make it as you know, make put us on a place where we're on such an awareness campaign that 
you know, the people become more and more aware of what we're doing and, and how we do it and, and really the history and the legacy of the sport. So yeah. from that day forward, I was hooked and it gets in your blood here and it, you know, you, you're trying to figure it out day, you know, every day you lose sleep over one thing or you smile over another, then you wake up and you lose more sleep over something different every day. So it's a, it's definitely been a, a hell of a ride and trying to figure out how to make this better for everybody. But to be, to remember sitting down with those guys and just thinking about how much experience and knowledge there was in the room about racing, uh, was, uh, I was kind of awestruck at the time. Which year stands out to you or, or maybe like which moment, if you can even narrow it down to one or two stands out to you as, let me tell you, I was so proud to be part of this defining moment in the world of outlaws during my time as CEO. You know, um, it was probably, I've had so many of those as sort of a collage, you know, right? I, you know, I uh, got a chance. I actually inducted Steve Kinzer into the national uh, motorsports hall of fame and got to introduce him and, and induct him in the hall of fame. That was remarkable for me, but probably from a more holistic view, we had, a, we have a little event down here in Charlotte called the world finals. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were building and building and building on that. And about the fifth year, we had one of those nights at the racetrack where the place was packed. We had full house, full cars, last lap passes in all three classes. And it just felt electric. And I drove back to my office and I sat there for about an hour and just thinking about, we built that. We, nobody had ever put together uh, the World of Outlaws late models, the World of Outlaws sprint cars, the Super Dark Car Series, put them on the same track, loaded up the grandstands, filled up the pit area, and had three races that you had to hold your breath for. And I stood back and then that was something that would not have existed before we got involved. And uh, my entire team, I sent a note about three in the morning that morning and, and I reflect on that note a lot. That It was just a moment of, of joy and pride that, and it, and it reflected not only just, it reflected something that we built from scratch, it never existed. We pulled together, you know, who'd ever thought that Bob Memmer and Glenn Donnelly and Ted Johnson's legacy all on the racetrack at the same time. Right. Uh, and, and could culminate in some and having 20 some thousand people screaming for three hours. Right. That, that's something that, you know, that, that's another one of those things I'll never forget. That's a uh, plume in the hat, man. Right. I think I was big, actually at that race too. It was, it was phenomenal. It was, uh, it was probably 10 years ago. It was just yeah. absolutely one of those times that you go, my God, you know, it's, we raced all season. It was hard. Yeah. And that was on a Saturday night. It was like mm-hmm. the first times I really wanted to just say, Hey, let's restack that and do it again. Right. And, and, How do we you know, copy all that? This coming, all this exactly. coming together. And I really felt that I'm ready to do this again. Yeah. That was a really well-run race. Cause I've, you know, covered a lot of live races and going to that one, it was just so well run compared to like going to like Charlotte Motor Speedway where things are, I mean, the races are kind of run well there, but like even for the fans, I mean, cause I was covering it, but I was also sort of a fan being there too. It was so, you know, laid back. Everybody was really nice. There was no, you know, just, it didn't feel pressure or tension there. Right. It's yeah, like it was- a family gathering. It was yeah. just one of those nights of the racetrack that you can only hope for. And uh, you, n- not everybody gets to witness it. And uh, it was one of those great nights. So yeah. that's probably one of the more defining moments because we pulled it all together. We put it all together. We were successful. Right. And, uh, and we entertained so many people that night. Yeah. 
I mean, I think a lot of people would say something similar for what you guys have been able to accomplish for the last, I mean, almost 20 years, which, you know, kind of leads me to, given everything that has transpired since the beginning of the year, would you say in your tenure that this season has been your biggest challenge today? You know, it, it has been. And um, if this had come up prior to the last probably three or four years, it'd been difficult to do what we've done. You know, it's, it, it has tested every part of our nation, our communities, and our uh, businesses and organization. And the idea of, you know, for almost six weeks, not knowing when we're going racing again. Right. Yeah. No kidding. We've always known where we're racing again. By the time we're done with November, we know when Florida is. Right. We know when the next race is. And for six weeks in, in our world, we really didn't know when our next race was going to be. Right. Yeah. Because people plan yeah. trips, they plan vacations, they they put this in at work, you know, hey, and you know, back in May, hey, and coming up in, you know, this time next year, I'm gonna be going to this, I'm gonna be doing this. I mean, it's it's a it's a disruptor. Yeah. Yeah, when in the in the hard part, the the the, the wonderful thing and the hard part is we came off such an incredibly stout event at Dirt Car Nationals in Florida. I mean, it was right. absolutely a record crowd, wall to wall, great racing. You know, we got done with that, uh, you know, there in February and then we stacked up. We had a big party for the extreme racing, the series we kicked off down here mm-hmm. in the South, the late model races. And it was like, you know, I think I'm going to take spring break. I have two college aged <laughs> kids and I'm like, I'm going to go to spring break and I'm going to try to relax and get on the snowboard a little bit. And I go out on the eighth, and I come back on the 11th into a world of that was absolutely a different place. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And (laughs) now you've got NBA canceling and Mm -hmm. IRL canceling and NASCAR canceling. And we are stacked up and driven all the way to Texas. And on the 13th, the Friday, the 13th, quite fitting. Mm -hmm. We had to make a decision that we had to shut everything down. Yeah. And so you go right from that momentum, the, time with uh, snowboarding with the kids coming right back into absolute crisis mode mm-hmm. and and from there you know we pretty much you know spent the 13th 14th and 15th in shock candidly yeah yeah we didn't know really know okay now what we're going racing next week we're going back to the next month that we go what are we doing and 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 candidly it was really late but middle of april till we start laying out stuff trying to figure out what do we do and it's been a nonstop process ever since. You know, we have 15 touring series. People people recognize the world of outlaws, mm-hmm. and the outlaws and the sprint cars and late models. They don't recognize the other touring series and the other 5,000 races that we sanction every year. So, mm-hmm. managing trying to manage everybody into that was mayhem. But Good because grief. of the success we've had, because of the uh, the partnerships that we have and the team we have in place. We started right away trying to figure out what are we able to do, what can we do, what's the right thing to do, what should be, what's the most responsible, uh, safe thing to do, and then started piecing things back together, and and then started to try to relearn our environment because the environment changed. Mm-hmm. The first time I have, you know, governments and regulatory authorities telling me where we can race, where we can't race, who can race, where can we go, can't travel. All of a sudden, all the dynamics of, of the business uh, changed. 
Exactly. How did that, I'm really curious because not, it seemed like World of Outlaws was one of the first series able to go back racing with fans. And when I saw the story and, you know, we got a little press release or whatever about uh, you all doing these health screenings on site, I was like, okay, where have all the other racing series been? Why are they not doing this? So how did that even start? And why is the government not doing, you know, anything like this? Why are it, why is it the world of outlaws the only one doing these high tech health screens? Cause I mean, this is, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, no, we started, we started uh, on ground level with, you know, with the support of the I- Iowa governor and the okay. local community in, in, uh, in Knoxville. Okay. And we, that first race, the entire uh, presentation, including all the race teams and the officials and the broadcasts were 380 people total. Uh, so we wanted to see what would happen with the event with uh, nothing and then what it would it be required to start moving up. And we quickly started adapting to a few more fans and a few more racers and a few more fans and a few more racers. And we started getting to the point where we, we learned more about the, the virus itself and what, what, how it showed itself. Mm-hmm. So as we got, as we learned more and the communities learned more, we wanted to, we wanted to continue to press against it because we started running up against, you have a thousand people in a 5,000 person grandstand, but you need to start doing this. And we believe that uh, in order to push to the point where we needed to be by the end of the summer to make any of this make sense to it, which is about where we're at now with most of the grandstands being about half full, was we needed to be more confident that we were responsible to the people that were there and we needed to do that as best we knew how with the technology available. So we started to learn more as the virus more of the virus information became apparent. We started able to figure out how to screen people. So not only what the symptoms were and how to keep people making their own decisions about if they were feeling good or not, and then trying to help them make that decision if they came, you know, with with some of the symptoms they may not have been aware of. So Mm -hmm. we started doing uh, temperature screenings and social distancing. And we got to the point where we started, we partnered with a technology company and we partnered with a medical company and we started working about what can we do if we want to get back to a full grandstands, what do we really mm-hmm. need? Well, we need to, we need to test the technology that's available and we need to have on-site testing so that we can validate if we believe what we're doing is right. So we took that to, you know, we, we, we operated from May the 8th on and off all the way through the month of June. And on July the 4th weekend, we had an event at Cedar Lake Speedway. We ran everybody on the property through, uh, you know, biometric screening with infrared and temperature gauges and temperature checks and questionnaires. And we actually did a 15 minute antigen testing, which test tests for the, the protein that that they manifest itself once you've got the virus and mm-hmm. tested all those. And then we did some antibody tests on teams and uh, our staff to try to see if anybody that had had, a, had had it and passed. And uh, candidly, we had no positive tests. We had one oh, positive antibody test within the group of somebody, but it was an antibody test. So they had somewhere along the way had been mm-hmm. uh, had been positive at some point. Been positive, positive not known yeah. yeah. See. Know it. And uh, since then, knock on wood, we've, you know, we've still temperature screening. And if anybody has a temperature that can't be, 
you know, manage with uh, so a bottle of water and cooling down, then we, they have a fever, they go home. You must have been in some portion of a previous life, a risk manager or something. Yeah, Cause, right? cause I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, as a university of Texas graduate hearing an Aggie speak like this, I just don't believe <laughs> that. You know, this- I, I have a great, I have a great team of advisors. I have a great team. On staff. <laughs> I, I have, uh, I have, uh, a great group of advisors. So we, we counseled with our, our attorneys. We counseled with our insurance companies. We mm-hmm. counseled with medical professionals. We counseled with the state governments, the CDC, trying to gain an, as much knowledge as we could because we knew that we really needed to get for all of this business, you know, all the way from the racetracks to the cars, to the drivers, the teams, the manufacturers, the par- product, and for everybody's psyche, candidly, that we needed to get back to business. Right. Yeah. See, and that that's the thing. When Ellen and I were talking, I said, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're using robotics. He's, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, robots. yeah, he's probably <laughs> using robots like Will Smith's movie from back in the day, or he's using <laughs> nanites like, uh, you, you know, Iron Man had in the Avengers. But hearing you explain it, Brian, you know, I, I can see I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to work with a tremendous CEO uh, who, who has that foresight. You didn't wait for the government to tell you when you could get exactly. back. You jumped and you said, what do I have to do to get back? And exactly. so I, I think that is the missing component in what a lot of businesses have, have missed to be able to get their folks back to productivity. Now, since you did that, What's been the response from people coming to the races and, you know, what's been the response from the people around you? Well, you know, uh, I, the people that I tell in the regular world, what we're doing, they think we're nuts. They're like, what are you doing? And like, well, we're doing it, everything. We haven't had any positive cases and we're doing as responsibly as we can. Right. We're doing with the masks and the temperature checks and we're doing as much as we can, but we're not, I'm a person, you know, life is to be lived and we're going to figure out how to do it in the best within the world. So, you know, my team, they have the option from working at home. We open the doors at our office uh, on May the 4th, we temperature check everybody and you're welcome to work at home or you can work in the office and the office has been very vibrant the entire time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been traveling across the country. Uh, there's different places are behaving different ways. It's odd to kind of see it. One place you go, you can't have lunch in town. One time place you can have it outside. And so it's, it's, it's an in, definitely an interesting environment, you know, but what I see is, is that what we provide at the racetrack, which is really an escape for everybody, like you said, the, the racetrack smile, it's still there. Everybody wants to be out and do stuff. They want to be alive. They want to Absolutely. feel, they want mm-hmm. to be a part of something big. And, and candidly, with everybody else not doing so much, it's, it's raised the awareness of what we're doing. You know, the world of outlaws and dirt car racing and dirt tracks, you know, across the country have been trying to operate. And uh, I've been doing so successfully. And I think more people know about it now than they did at the beginning of this. So it's just all after anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ellen. I was going to say, that's the question. Another question I had is now that you've been doing this in these high tech health screens, have you had a lot of um, tracks saying yes to this? They want to do this. Have you had any pushback from any other tracks? I mean, it's, that's the one thing I've noticed from some of these other racing series is they've had to cancel a lot of different tracks, different races at different tracks. So have you had any pushback? And if not, what is your advice to other racing series to 
stop their pushback because you know that's something Chris and I were discussing at the beginning. I also cover NHRA, and their drag racing season has just plummeted i mean they've gone to one track since this whole thing started and they've had to stay there because no other track will let them come yeah the the piece on that is is that the partnership that each racetrack has with their local governments and health health uh departments Mm -hmm. is critical right now so we aren't going to do we aren't going to do anything into the face of uh the, the government or uh, the local jurisdiction. So that's, that's criteria number one is our racetracks, I believe have taken a very compliant view of this, trying to figure out the same, same way. What, what can I do? What do I need to do? What can I do to do more? Mm-hmm. And with that, with that mindset in a very, in a, in a way that is constructive and compliant, we've been able to push on where we can go. So we've been very, cautious trying to book races at places where we have a good relationship the track has a good relationship with our local and we are not you know we're doing it in collaboration with the local community every one of these racetracks is a local business right mm-hmm. yep. exactly success, uh is is dependent upon how they're viewed in their community whether we're there for that weekend or the other 51 weekends of the year they have to be accepted and appreciated in that community if you come in there you know, hell bent on breaking all the rules, going to do whatever you're going to want to do. It's not good for anybody. Right. So we've been, that's why when we published, we published our guidelines to try to go back racing. It was Mm -hmm. in a very open format available to everybody, whether you were a sanctioned track or not trying to get everybody to understand that with some collaboration, we probably can get a lot further down the road if we're all working together and behaving in the same manner with the same process. Amen. Exactly. that's been, and that's what the states are struggling with now with mass laws and mm-hmm. staying home and mass well, it's a, it is it is mayhem because there's you know I, there's it's it's been relatively inconsistent. So I want to pick on you so bad. I, I mean, just, just so bad. Well, because he's an Aggie, and you know, usually when you talk about <laughs> any type of test for an Aggie, it involves a <laughs> shovel and a bucket. But <laughs> I like Brian so much, and what he's saying is is so spot on, man. I love exactly. how you just you literally took the Longhorn by the horns and just drove it right into. We're going to continue. We're going to perpetuate this business. Um, so obviously you got a good team around you. You seem like a just phenomenal leader, man. This is exactly. I, I'm I'm stoked. He's for a this fearless one. leader, which he's is what we need more of. Smart and fearless leader. Well, plus That's he's right. he's sensical. He's smart and he's passionate. That's yes. you know if if you're not that, get out the way and let somebody else do it. I appreciate right? it. I tell my guys all the time. You know, I'm in battle with you. You tell me where you want me. Either I'll stand right in front of you or right behind you. Amen. I love that. Amen. I love that. That's so, awesome. So as you see, you know, cases continue to rise. Everybody's talking about you know. A, a, a possible another shutdown coming oh, you know what are you doing to prepare for the future you know with the racing series knowing that we might have another bomb coming around the corner well uh first off we're going to race as hard as we can until they tell us we can't mm-hmm. and doing it the right way which we've established that with the governments where we have so you know we have we've had a tremendous run so far i can't predict what's going to happen in a week or two weeks you know, I can tell you that my understanding of the virus is the risk factors haven't changed. 
the exactly. haven't changed. The people that are at risk haven't changed. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'm hoping that we can continue to operate within a reasonable and safe environment and allow, and allow us to continue to provide joy and entertainment to the people that desperately want it. Yeah. Uh, knowing that we all have to make decisions about where we spend our time, who the people we are that we're with and how close we are to people we don't know. And those are all personal decisions that we have to make. Um, I'm having to make them and I'm, I allow my team to make them mm -hmm. and, uh, and we want to do that. And I think as long as we do that, then we're providing a, a, a place that people can come and enjoy and feel relatively safe in the environment. So with that, I can't say that, you know, what's going to happen in next week, but mm -hmm. I don't live that way anyway. So yep. yeah, it, That's, we're going to do the best we can with what we have. And then with what's in front of us, we'll, we'll make that decision again if we have to uh, every day. You know, that's, that's the question. thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no. I was gonna say, you know, that's that, that's the thing I love about the whole feel of the world of outlaws in general. Yeah. Um. You know, since '78, I feel like they've kind of had that approach and that feeling. So hearing him say mm -hmm. that, I like it. Exactly, and that's one thing that I haven't noticed either. And, and maybe I'm wrong about this. So just let me know if I am. I haven't noticed as much pushback from drivers or teams as far as, oh, well, you know, you say we can go back racing, but we're not comfortable doing that. And you see that in all the other sports, like, you know, it's all they're talking about in the NFL. This player's not going to play. This player's not going to play. And you see that in the NBA going on as well. So I'm kind of curious, have you had any pushback from any drivers? And if so, has it just been a handful or have all the drivers just said, I'm going racing, I don't care. I mean, you know, they're, well, they're taking care of us and I know that. So, no, I think, you know, in early on, you had a very, a very mixed bag of people that were from different places of the country that had uh, different varying states of the virus affecting them. So, mm -hmm. you know, there was a, there was a lot of, a lot of concern about it. Didn't really know how to get back to it. You know, the, the, the racing and in particularly our type of racing, you know, is, is, is actually suited to social distancing. To exactly. Some now I have pictures in, of our work area and the sprint cars and the video of that would have contrary to that. So one of the beauties of all of the team, all hands on deck from every team trying to help the car back on the racetrack. But, 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 you know, candidly, the, the teams can be isolated. They travel together as a group and it, it really fits the way, you know, a cohort in its definition would work. You know, the hard part is, is in traveling from here to there, to there, to there, and keeping everybody safe along the way. But, you know, we, we established early on with our teams that, you know, with the, with the big, with the, with the, with the Allos series that if anybody, if a driver or a crew chief are affected with COVID and it keeps them from the racetrack, we'll stop accruing points until that driver is able to compete. So we weren't going to have, if you're, if you're, if you're not, healthy you need to tell us and we'll stop earning and, and then we'll, we'll figure that out but we're not going to change the point chase as we do this so i think that 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 got the, the drivers confident in being honest with us about how they're how they're feeling and and candidly we've been telling them that you know we need to be healthy we cannot we we have to protect ourselves at the racetrack and then when we're not at the racetrack if you want to continue to do this so we've been very you know we've made the teams aware of you can't you please don't do some things that you would love to go do right now. But if you want to keep racing, we need to keep healthy. And, uh, they, you know, they, I think they, I think they sincerely appreciate what we've yeah. been able to do and how we're doing it. And, you know, it's hard, you know, the first month and a half 
two months, you know, part of the beauty of what we do is at the end of the night, the pit area is open and you can go out and meet your drivers and the, meet your teams and go see the race cars and do all that. And, and only recently have we started to do that. And I've seen some hesitation, you know, of mixing that crowd, but it's, you know, people are very, actually very respectful of per personal space and still getting to do that. And, not, you know, just being careful. And uh, as long as we keep doing that, We've not had any positive cases we can trace back to the racetrack. I think that's a big part of the respect factor because you respect the drivers, you respect the team, you respect the fans. And I think that's what's missing in a lot of the major league sports. You have owners that are just looking at the bottom line. You have players exactly. that are just looking at the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And then you have a commissioners that, well, they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, <laughs> don't get me started on the NFL. You know, yeah, <laughs> do, do not get me started on the Big 12. Um, so, <clears throat> anywho. <laughs> Brian, that is no wonder the world of outlaws has been able to continue and, and flourish the way it is. And, and I want to take a quick moment right now, you know, as, as we are talking with the CEO of the world of outlaws, Brian Carter, uh, if you have not had a chance to get out and see one of the world of outlaw races, you are missing out. And yes. uh, so, so Brian, is there anything at this juncture you could tell us, you know, what do you want the listeners to know about the world of outlaws that they might not know? You know, I, what I, I want the listeners to know is that, uh, you know, the World of Outlaws is uh, a, a community of people that share the same beliefs. Uh, we're all race fans. Uh, some of us get the privilege of racing cars. Uh, but the World of Outlaws is the racer community. It is the racetrack community. It is the fan community. And the World of Outlaws is uh, what it is because of the, the, the community, that community in of itself and its strength and passion. So, you know, the drivers come and go, the track owners come and go, the sanction, you know, the, the people inside the world of outlaws come and go, but the, 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 the world of outlaws as it existed 40 years ago still lives on today through that community. You know, we, uh, we do not embrace the idea of the next level. Our racing is pure, raw and, and visceral. So everything we do is to preserve the integrity of the sport and the, uh, and all we want to do is, if you're a race fan, you're a World of Outlaws fan, bring a friend, uh, spread the word, raise the awareness. That's one of the things we've done with our major campaign with Dirt Vision over the last few years, streaming every race, trying to make it affordable. So if you can't make it to the racetrack, you can at least watch it, you know, 250 some odd race nights of live streaming TV so that we know we come to your racetrack once a year and the rest of the time we're 500 miles away. Come join us and watch it on Dirt Vision and enjoy that and share it with a friend. If you get to come to the racetrack, bring a friend. Uh, it's the only way this thing gets stronger and healthier yep. is to, to grow the awareness and the fan base and to bring that community, you know, to make it even larger. So that's what I would ask the fans. If you're a fan, make somebody else a fan. Uh, we're here for you to be part of that community with you and can't wait to see you at the racetrack. Worldofoutlaws.com CEO Brian Carter, you have now usurped Lyle Lovett as my favorite Texas A&M oh. Aggie, by the way. <laughs> oh, no. I got uh, to tell you that. Oh, I love it. Come I, I on, man. Believe, you know, I appreciate that, though. I, 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 you know, I got my ring on. It's all, you know, we're well <laughs> we definitely well, had the robbery down the street. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, hey, same thing. I got my, you know, my, my wonderful Longhorn ring. The eyes of Texas are upon me, which is why I have to ask you this as a paid member of the Texas Exes. How do you keep an Aggie graduate out of your front yard? Oh, no. Chris. <laughs> I don't know. How do you keep an Aggie graduate out of front yard? You put up goalposts. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, oh, that's horrible. No, no, yeah, that's, that was a that's, horrible joke. That's horrible. That's only for my, you know, Texas friends who would lambase me for, for giving so much love to know, and Aggie. I, I went to, from Texas A&M from, 1980, from 1986 to 1990, never lost a game at home ever. Never watched a single loss at Caulfield. Oh, that's beautiful. So you it's stayed in the barracks the whole time. <laughs> yeah, SEC wakes you up quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I, get to see, I get to see a lot of Aggie football in North Carolina, though. I'd never, I never thought I'd see more football here than I did when I was there. Oh, let me tell you, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing when you get the extended sports package to be able to watch, you know, the Comcast Sports Southwest where they just throw in, you know, of course, now that we're well, – now that the Aggies are in the SEC and it's much easier to see them here. But good grief, what a wake-up call going from the big i thought the big 12 was way tougher <laughs> and now the sec just decides to own everybody yeah. um but brian thank you so much for joining us i am yes. you know excited for the success that the world of outlaws is having and will have and with you at the helm i i feel so confident that the series is going to flourish man what you've done is spectacular uh it's it's nothing short of miraculous and you have made some of the best decisions that as a ceo i think any organization would love to have you at the helm because of what you've been able to do. Well, I appreciate that very much. I take great, great uh, pride and pleasure in, in uh, preserving the sport and making sure it's as successful as best uh, as I can for everybody. So it's been a hell of a ride. And this year, the challenges have been great, but inside of uh, disruption, there's a lot of opportunities if you choose to look for them. And we've been mm-hmm. searching and hunting and, and finding them and striking them when they're hot. So we're doing the best we can. And we surely appreciate everybody. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you all the great fans out there. You couldn't do it without the, the great fans of racing. And we appreciate their, their passion as much as anybody. Yeah. And you know what? Keep the hammer down, man. We can't wait to see what happens next with Word of Alice. Speaking of, uh, what's what's the next couple of races you have coming up? Well, let's see. My calendar's been struck through three times, but it's pretty okay. stunning now. So I know, right? We have, a, yeah, we, have a great, we have a great event that's actually been relocated. The Prairie Dirt Classic is a, is a, is a Midwest favorite mm-hmm. there. Uh, it's been moved to Kokomo. Uh, from mm-hmm. Fairbury, so we're improvising there this weekend. Uh, Matt That's Cole, where I want to go. Yeah, it's an incredible, uh, incredible group of people. Mm-hmm. We'll be there this Friday, Saturday. We'll be sprint cars in uh, Wayne County for the first time since 1985. Nice. Year Lake with lay models for USA Nationals. That's a big deal. The Ironman and then the Ironman sprint cars for the seventh and eighth and Peebly, and then uh, the Knoxville one and only. So 13, 14, 15, $400,000 on the line there. So we've got three big weekends of racing. We're going to do everything we can to keep everybody safe, make sure we get all that stuff in. And then after that, it gets crazier until we get to September. So that's beautiful. During that craziness, you got to do us one other favor, Brian. We're wanting to get some of these uh, World of Outlaw drivers on here as well. So (laughs) I've got one in particular I've been eyeing for a while that I really want to get on the show. We need your help. (laughs) There it is. Be happy to. The guys actually will tell a great story. They love love to talk about racing. They're uh, they're all great guys. They uh, express it in different ways. They just, but they all care so much about racing and the fans in the community so that's yeah. beautiful well check out worldofoutlaws.com we have had ceo of world of outlaws brian carter joining us today brian thank you so much man please continue to the uh, success we look forward to checking in with you again soon uh yes. but man we're here to help and just thank you for what you're doing thank you, you 
My pleasure. Yes. Thank you for not having fear and going forward. That's right. Us fans need more directors like you that are willing to go forward. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. you, Brian. Take care. So, Ellen, I gotta, I gotta tell you, just hearing Brian Carter, CEO of World of Outlaws, talk about not only his upbringing, uh, his his background, his passion for racing, but his leadership style makes me happy for all the employees as well as all the racers in the World of Outlaws series because they have a fantastic leader right there. No kidding. At least he's willing to do everything he can to get them back to the track, not only get them back to the track, but to do it safely to get the fans back to the track. And he he seems like the type to never give up, where a lot of people right now have that give up mentality. It seems like it's just like, oh, let's just go with the status quo. Let's not ruffle any feathers. He's not afraid to ruffle feathers, and I love that. Well, and it's not even so much ruffling the feathers. It's the so many people are sitting back doing the woe is me, and yeah. he's like, he's like, there we don't, go. we can't do the woe is me. We have no. to, we got to get back to business. We're going to make sure you're safe, but at the same time. We're going to get back to business. So, I mean, exactly. Brian, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, although he has another challenge when it comes to weather. <laughs> yeah, I know. The poor guy, I mean, you know, here he was telling us about going racing. And Chris and I are coming back and doing a little bit of the end of this a little bit after they were supposed to go racing. And, uh, yeah, both series got rained out this weekend. Well, I mean, anything on the East Coast because of it's ice, it's ice, it's ice, it's ice. Yeah, what are they actually calling that hurricane? Because to me, it looks like ISIS. I don't, I don't. I, <laughs> like, did I, they really have a hurricane ISIS? It, it doesn't surprise me that it would be called ISIS because it kind of acted like ISIS. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I guess it was, it's ice, it's ice, it's ice. I don't know, pasta sauce. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm horrible with that. Of course, you know me, I'm bad with names anyway. Oh, I'm, we that's, struggle that's, with the pronunciation of some last names. That's yeah, for sure. I, I mean that's that's why I call my gorgeous wife baby, and I call my kids little big head and big big head. I don't. <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad with names, man. Oh, you ain't kidding. Me. I'm terrible with last names. I'm terrible with. Hey, I barely remember names half the time. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't tell you my full name. I can't tell you my cell phone number. <laughs> oh yeah, barely remember a cell phone number only because I've had to change cell phones so many times. And poor Chris had to deal with my cell phone being a demon this past week. Uh, I was I mean, making random cop phone calls to random people just for the hell of it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm used to that. Oh, so, I'm so glad I'm done with that cell phone. <laughs> so World of Outlaws, if you get a chance, go check yes. them out. If, if you get, if you definitely get a chance to go see it in person. Um, There's nothing like it. Yeah, I've been to a few of those races. And honestly, if you've been to several dirt track races, especially like a local type deal, mm -hmm. you have seen nothing until you go see the World of Outlaws live. Yeah, they are energetic. It's entertaining. And mm -hmm. I tell you what, people say, well, they, you know, he didn't leave anything on the track. Um, they literally don't leave anything on the track. Um, Dirt, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even then, half of that's gone by the time it's halfway through. No so. kidding. And they're not afraid to beat and bang. And I think a lot of people who rubbing. watch racing these days miss the rubbing, miss the it's racing. Rubbing. It's rubbing. It is rubbing. They're not rubbing, afraid to race. Rubbing's racing. That's right. Rubbing's racing. And not a there's not enough of that in uh, stock car racing anymore. So no. if you miss that, you need to go check out World of Outlaws Dirt Racing. Because, uh, I mean, you know, it's all – them all them bush boys are too too worried about messing up their hair so that their Winston <laughs> Cup wives, you know, 
will stand next to them if they ever get in victory lane. So, you know, <laughs> heaven, heaven forbid the hair product you put in before putting on a helmet and a fire suit. Mess up. I know. Do you notice that? I'm like, oh, does God. their hair crackle when they put helmets on? <laughs> do, you think, do you think Richard Petty ever worried about that? No, that's no, why he had the cowboy uh, come hat. Come on, curly hair? No. Yeah, he ain't no. worried about that. You think Dale ever worried about that? No. No, Dale didn't have enough hair to really worry about for a long well, time. Well, I mean, you know, neither did some of my family members. We ain't going to that. Anyway, <laughs> I digress as I digest. So, um, coming up, we got some uh, some more great stuff happening with this season as, as it just continues as we get later on into the summer and then falls right around the corner. Um, so, I'm excited to see where we are going to go next and what's going to happen with all this COVID stuff. So, yeah. uh, let's just get back to racing. I mean, yeah. it's we all heard, you know, recently um, on the drag racing scene that they're barely racing and we've got a major team not joining the season. It's just, I'm so over it. I'm so ready for racing to get really started. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know it's trying and thank God the world of outlaws have not, you know, given up. Granted, mother nature doesn't always play in the realm, right? but um, you know, I'm so ready for racing to really kick off because it's been spotty to say the least. I mean, you know, every time we think we're getting started, we have another setback. So it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm so ready for it to really get started. And, you know, now that some of you still aren't racing and still are home or people that are still on furlough, we, we want to talk to you too. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got some kind of racing going on or you got, you're involved in racing or motorsports in some realm. We want to talk to you. So you need to get in touch with us. Yeah. So contact support at racingjunk.com we want to hear from you we want to have you on the show yeah or just leave us a comment and always you know go to yeah. racingjunk.com you'll you'll find the latest on what's going on uh just look for ellen's articles look for any of the articles um, not just mine not just mine <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's a it's, it's it's a great resource so uh yeah. once again a big tip of the hat to brian carter ceo of world of outlaws for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come talk to us and, and you know what it sounded like he wasn't wearing a mask so i, I appreciate that yeah exactly um, um why do we wear a mask at home anyway i mean come on <laughs> there well, is i mean if you were around limit. my kids you'd be wearing a mask anyway even if there was no covid <laughs> so. well i do have to uh, sometimes i want to wear one around my husband but you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ellen, thank you once again for lining that up. I think, uh, you know, Brian had some really good points and hopefully some of the other organizations out there that are having issues getting back to the track will be able to pick up on what Brian's doing and, you know, kind of keep the ball rolling and see where we can go and maybe get it back a little bit sooner, than, you know, rather than later. So, That's right. um, but as always, if you have any questions, comments, whatever, please just leave them for us. We love hearing from you. Be sure to click subscribe, like, notify, all that good stuff. So that when we do have a new show come out, you are the first one to get it. Uh, for a little E, Miss Ellen Richardson, uh, anything else you want to say before we go? <laughs> no. You sure? Let's get back to racing. Come on, guys. Well, let's get back to racing. <laughs> I'm Chris Rock. I'm the little, Chris, I'm Chris Rock? Young. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Chris Young. And this has been Behind the Wheel on RacingJunk.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.